Amen. Take your Bible and turn this morning with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 3. Again, as I've told you, I don't have any intention uh, of preaching through the whole book, um, but um, I, I just keep being drawn back. There's a theme here uh, that Jeremiah is uh, dealing with that, uh, that uh, I just keep feeling drawn back to run uh, that uh, run through uh, the end of that theme. And that theme uh, is uh, repentance. Uh, he continually uh, is, uh, for these chapters, he's calling on uh, the people to repent, uh, to, to turn uh, from their wicked ways. Uh, and he is giving them, uh, it's almost, uh, I heard um, uh, E.V. Hill many years ago uh, talk about a, uh, a diamond passage. Uh, and he says this, when you hold a passage up like a diamond, and, and every time you turn it a little bit, uh, you see something new. Uh, and that's kind of what he does with repentance here. Uh, he has uh, t- taking repentance, uh, and, and he just keeps turning it a little bit uh, and, and looking at different aspects and different uh, things about uh, repentance about why we should repent and what happens when we repent, uh, what happens when we don't repent, uh, what's necessary to repent. Uh, and so he just keeps turning the idea uh, of repentance uh, just a little bit. Uh, and last week I, I gave you my, uh, my infamous, I was going to say famous, but infamous uh, illustration of repentance is when you're walking in this direction, it's not that you slow down. Uh, it's not that you just stop and stand there, uh, but repentance is the idea, spiritually speaking, uh, of turning around uh, and going uh, in the other direction. Well, I think that leads logically uh, to a question, uh, and that is, well, what happens uh, when I do that? Uh, I, you, know, I'm, you know, a lot of people uh, might respond and say, you know, my life's pretty good. Uh, I'm going along here. I'm not bothering anybody. Nobody's bothering me. Uh, and so why uh, should I turn? I don't know if you've ever had that happen before, uh, but I've seen it probably like you have, uh, that uh, you see road work uh, and you see signs up that says, uh, bridge out ahead, uh, turn around. Uh, and you'll see some people going down the road and they, it's almost as if they look and they say, well, this road looks good to me. I can't hardly believe that bridge is out up there. They'll just keep going uh, and uh, get down the road and find out, sure enough, uh, the bridge is out. I heard about uh, one neighborhood uh, where the, the bridge was out down the road and uh, the DOT had put up a, uh, a sign that said bridge out ahead uh, and the neighbors had went out and on the back of that sign uh, had painted the words told you so uh, so when the people got down the road and turned around and came back uh, they'd see that message well uh, repentance is kind of like that a lot of people are going along uh, and they're pretty happy with their life they're pretty uh, satisfied right now uh, what they don't understand is that in the future, the bridge is out. Uh, And so what are uh, the results of repentance? What happens when we do repent? Or even why should I repent? Why should I turn around? Uh, I'm sure there are people today, uh, maybe uh, even in this room, maybe listening online, uh, but I'm certain there are people around us uh, who would have that question. Why should I repent? (coughs) Why should I change? 
Why should I do anything different? Everything's going good. My bills are paid. I've got a good family. My, you know, my roof doesn't leak. You know, everything's going good. Why should I change uh, anything? Well, uh, Jeremiah... Uh, in these, uh, here at the end of chapter 3, uh, is going to tell uh, the, the Israelites why, what are the results uh, of, uh, of repentance. Again, uh, they were much in the same way. In the same way. Things were going uh, relatively good uh, for them. Uh, they were. Uh, they really weren't uh, at that moment uh, facing any particular hardship. Uh, they uh, they weren't really uh, suffering. They didn't have uh, really uh, too much of a of a threat going on. Uh, but what Jeremiah is telling them uh, is that the day is coming uh, when you will have a problem. The enemy is coming. So repent now. Uh, repent while you have time. So as we look in this passage, uh, he's going to uh, talk for a moment, and very quickly today, it's really, uh, really uh, simple. As he says here in verse 14, he tells them, return, O faithless children. And that is the, the essence of repentance, returning, uh, going back uh, to where you were. Uh, return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And so the first... Um, first result that we see uh, Jeremiah lift up here uh, to repentance is restoration. He says to them, uh, if you will turn, I will bring you uh, into Zion. Well, Zion uh, was Jerusalem. It was the holy city. Uh, it was the uh, kind of the center uh, of Jewish life. Uh, it was a walled city. It was a place uh, of protection. Many people in that area would live out uh, around Jerusalem, uh, out in the area, and, and when the, the horns would sound, when they would blow the ram's horns, uh, when they would raise the flag, uh, that was a signal that uh, trouble was coming, and, and it meant for everybody to come inside uh, of the walled cities uh, and be safe. And so uh, here we have God uh, saying to uh, these people, in the midst of their wickedness, in the midst uh, of their idolatry, in the midst uh, of, uh, of their sinful lifestyle, uh, God says to them, you come back and I will restore you. Uh, that just shows us something of the nature uh, of the compassion uh, of God. Uh, most of us today, uh, we operate on that, uh, you know, kind of on that uh, Gomer Pyle theory, uh, if you remember. Gomer said, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, well, that's kind of the way most of us operate. Uh, if someone uh, harms us, if someone does us wrong, uh, we may forgive them that time. Uh, but from then on, we, we tend to kind of uh, keep them at arm's distance. We don't, uh, we don't welcome them. Uh, back into uh, the fold. They, uh, we may speak to them if we see them out uh, in public or something, but generally speaking, uh, if someone hurts us, if someone wrongs us, uh, we, um, uh, you know, we, we operate on that, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget that, uh, my good said. And we just, we, we just typically, uh, we don't restore people very well. We're, you know, we, we will... 
Again, we may forgive them, uh, but we just don't, uh, you know, it's probably going to be an end, depending on how bad they hurt us, uh, but typically that means it's an end to the real close friendship. Uh, you know, we're probably not going to be doing lunch with them anymore. Kind of, uh, it, it leaves a scar uh, on our relationship uh, that goes uh, goes on forever practically. And, uh, and probably everyone in here uh, has someone, an acquaintance, a friend, maybe even a, uh, a family member uh, who fits into that uh, who fits into that category. You were once uh, very close and one of you, maybe even maybe it was you, not them, uh, but hurt the other one and, and now you are still friendly, but you're not really friends anymore. Yeah, you, you speak, you run into them in a grocery store, hey, how you doing? How's the kids? Go away. Yeah, that, that kind of, you know, that kind of relationship. Well, the beauty here of God is in spite of what the Israelites had done, in spite of their sin, in spite of their idolatry uh, or spiritual adultery, uh, as God has labeled it, He says, listen, if you will just return... I'll take you in. And there is not a more beautiful picture, uh, a beautiful lesson for us uh, as followers today. Uh, I want you to know something this morning, uh, that no matter how far you've went or where you've been, God loves you and He wants to see you uh, return. He wants to see you uh, come home. He loves you. Uh, Satan wants to tell you uh, that your sin is too big. Uh, your sin is too bad. You've done too much. You are too, too far gone. Uh, but no, you, God says to the Israelites here, He says, if you will return, I am your master. And He says, and, and then He acknowledges here. He says, I'll take uh, one from a city, two from a family. He acknowledges some won't take the offer. He says very few uh, are going to respond uh, to this invitation. But I, I want to restore you. I want to give you back your sweet relationship, your sweet walk with the Lord. You know, many people today, uh, many believers, if you were to be very brutally honest this morning, and you were to look back over your spiritual walk, the question I would ask you today is, has there been a time, has there ever been a moment anywhere in your Christian journey where you felt closer to God than you do today? Has there ever been a moment where your relationship with God was sweeter, was more intimate, was better than it is right now? And if the answer to that question is yes, and, I, and I'm going to be very honest with you this morning, I think for most believers, they would answer, they would, if they were honest, they would say yes. That's correct. You know, it's just kind of the nature of relationships. Most relationships, over time, they kind of go downhill. And over time, even in our relationship with God, I think we begin to take Him for granted. We take our relationship with God for granted. 
We take our walk with the Lord. We take our prayer life for granted. Go back and think for a moment those first few days after you were first saved. you remember that experience? Do you remember that time? If there has ever been a time where you were even slightly closer to God than you are today. You don't have to be in spiritual idolatry or adultery like the Israelites. But if there has ever been a day, if there has ever been a time where you were closer to God than you are right now, God says, return. Come back. And I will restore you. And I will give you that fellowship, that relationship, that walk once again. The results of repentance are restoration, but not just restoration. Look as it goes on. Uh, It's revelation. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. The second thing that he says about repentance is not only restoration, but revelation. I'm going to say something right here that some of you are going to take to be self-serving. You know, it's going to sound like the guy that owns the restaurant saying that, you know, my food's the best in town. You know, well, that's what he's supposed to say. I'm going to tell you something here that's going to sound self-serving. But bear me out. God says to the Israelites, if you will come back, I will give you shepherds that will feed you. In other words, I will give you revelation. I will have shepherds for the flock that will speak the word to you. Here's the self-serving part. There are many people today in churches all over town, all over America, who are sitting in churches who are listening to their pastor thinking he stinks. Maybe even in this room. Perhaps, just maybe, and listen, I'll be the first to tell you that there are Sundays when y'all come out and say good message, and I'm thinking, y'all must have had your earbuds in because you wasn't listening to me. Yeah, because that message stunk. Yeah, but... There are people sitting in churches all over town who are sitting there thinking, the preacher stinks. That's a lousy message. When what really needs to happen is they need to repent. It may not be the messenger. It may not be that your Sunday school teacher didn't study and didn't do a good job. And I believe I could hear a pin hit the floor in here. It may not be that the choir didn't sing on key. You know, I can remember one time years ago, see, watching, uh, there was an area, well, in this general area, uh, church service, and there was a young lady who came up to the, uh, to the pulpit to sing, and this young lady 
was obviously uh, handicapped, and I don't think a single note in the entire song was, it wasn't that it wasn't in the right key, it wasn't in the right neighborhood. I mean, musically, she butchered that song. And I sat and squalled like a baby because it moved my heart. Folks, maybe the problem is, maybe the problem is not the radio station. Maybe the problem is the radio. You ever thought about that? You know, I think a lot of times that some of you need to talk a little loud. Me and Janice were talking about this a moment ago. Janice got the good hearing seat over there, right there at the speaker. You know, I, I, you know, I, I, I think sometimes some of you need to speak up. Some of you need to talk a little clearer when the reality is I can't hear bombs going off. The reality is I need to get them hearing aids off my nightstand and stick them in my ears so I can hear. But I've decided half the time I don't want to hear. I don't, I don't have to wear my glasses. I don't wear my hearing aids because I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. I'm better off that way. It makes me mad. But maybe, just maybe, the problem with the Israelites wasn't that the, the shepherds weren't doing their job. Maybe it was that they need to get closer to God. You know, sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be listening to something on my, uh, on my phone. I have a video or something up, and I can't hear it very well. You know what I do to it? Well, what do you do if you listen to something on your phone and you can't hear it very well? I turn it all the way up, and if I still can't hear it, what do I do then? I stick it right here. I get a little closer to the source. Maybe if the reason the word I, I hear people all the time tell me, say, well, I don't I don't like reading the Bible, it's boring. Maybe the reason is you're not real close to the author. Any of you ever got a love letter? Some of you still got them in a box somewhere, don't you? You ever got a love letter? You didn't care if the English was right, did you? You didn't care if they misspelled words, did you? You didn't care how neat the handwriting is. You didn't care about any of those things. Why? Because that letter came from the love of your life. Some of you still get them out and read them, don't you? Why? Because it didn't have anything to do with the letter. It didn't have anything to do with the spelling. It didn't have anything to do with the English. It didn't have anything to do with the paper. It could be written on the back of an offering envelope. It could be written. They could have taken a roll of toilet paper and unrolled it and written down the road and rolled it back up. You didn't care because of who it was from. When we repent, he says, that's what will happen to the Word of God. That was, that's what will happen to the preaching of the Word of God. That's what will happen to the reading of the Word of God. That's what will happen to the prayer, your prayer life. The reason our prayer life is dry, the reason we don't get anything from the Word of God, the reason we don't get anything from the preaching, the teaching, the singing of the Word of God is because we've gone too far down the road away from the author. Listen, I can speak that uh, over our nation as a whole. 
The reason that, that our nation is, 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 doesn't want to hear from God, the reason they don't hear from God, is they've gotten so far from God, they can't hear from God. They wouldn't know God if He hit them over the head with a two-before. They've gotten so far away. The results of repentance, restoration, revelation. We go on and we look. The next thing that He talks about here uh, in this passage, in verse 16, is here we get down to the nuts and bolts of it. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land, in those days, declares the Lord, they shall say no more, uh, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, it shall not come to mind of the remembered uh, or missed, it shall not be made again. You know what he says? A lot of us, and I, I said this I think a few weeks ago, a lot of us are praying in the church today for revival. If you were to ask the average believer, what do we need, they would respond. If you were to ask the average church member, what do we need today, the answer, the response would be revival. And I would agree with you. We need revival. But revival is a result of repentance. We will not, we can't just pray for revival and continue to do what we have always done. How many of you have heard the, the definition of insanity? You know what the definition of insanity is? How many of you know what, what, ever heard that definition? Jane's nodding her head. Insanity. Doing the same thing you've always done, expecting a different result. Doing the same thing you have always done, expecting a different result. If that is not a portrait of the church in 2021, I don't know what is. Doing the exact same thing we have always done, expecting a different result. Dr. Towns had a really cool little poem that I probably should have paid more attention to in class. Um, but um, it, it said something to this effect. It said, methods always change, the message never does. He had it real, he had it real eloquent. Listen, when we continue to do the same thing. We can't pray for revival without praying, first of all, for repentance. We want to see revival out there. We want to see revival in the world. God wants to see repentance in here. We're all upset about some of the things going on in our society. Some of the cultural issues that we face. Can I tell you today, I believe with all my heart, God is far more concerned about what's going on in the church than He is the community. He says revival is a result of repentance. Restoration. Revival. Revelation. Next thing, relationship. He says at the end of verse 16, he says the day will come 
And this is a little bit above their head at the moment. But he says the day will come when the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God dwelt. It was, it was behind the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. God says the day will come when that will pass away and, and, and you won't even think about the ark anymore. He's referring to the, uh, the fact that the day was coming when the Savior would come and, and, and that we would be able to have a one-on-one relationship, that we would be able to go boldly uh, before the throne, that we would be able to uh, make our burdens and intercessions known, that we would be able to go before God. But he says before that can happen, there must be repentance. There must be a change. And then finally, the final thing he says here, and this is just common sense, really. At that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall gather to it the presence of the Lord in Jerusalem, and they shall no more stubbornly follow their own evil heart. In those days, the house of Judah shall join the house of Israel, and together they shall come from the land of the north to the land that I gave your fathers for heritage. <clears throat> the ultimate fulfillment of that passage is yet to come. The ultimate fulfillment uh, of the, the restoration uh, of Israel is yet to come. But it points us to this fact that repentance brings ultimately, it brings redirection. He says the day will come when they will no more follow their stubborn, evil heart. Redirection is a result of repentance. I gave you my illustration. You go in this way, you turn around and go the other way. It's a change of direction. It is a change of destination. It is a change of purpose. It is a change of desire. It is a change of passion. It is a change of heart. It's taking out that old hard heart and giving you a, a, a heart of flesh, one that is soft, one that is malleable, one that is usable. Repentance. Folks, can I tell you something? Everything we hope for, everything we desire, hinges on one word, repentance. Changing direction and going in a different way. The results of it are restoration, revelation, revival redirection and a relationship. Maybe, just maybe, I want to come back to that point. The problem around us, maybe the problem with everyone else is we need to repent. Some of you have heard this story before. I know because I've told it. But I'm going to tell it again, because some of you wasn't paying attention. How many of you have heard about the old man that went to the doctor? He says, Doctor, I need your help. My wife can't hear. 
I'm pretty sure she's going deaf. What can I do? And he says, well, when you go home, when you go in the front door, you call her name and ask her a question. See if she responds. See just how close you have to get before she hears you. So he goes home, goes in the front door, he walks in and he says, Honey, what's for supper? Not a sound. He walks across the room and he stands in the next doorway and he says, Honey, what's for supper? Not a sound. So he walks to the doorway of the kitchen and he says, Honey, what's for supper? She turns around and she says, For the third time, you deaf old man, chicken. Will you lean over and explain that to your neighbor? The problem wasn't her hearing. The problem in our society, folks, is not the beer joints and the pornographers and the LGBTQ, ABC, DFG. Oh, they're, they're wrong. They're sinners. Don't get me wrong. But the problem is not out there. The problem is in here. The problem is in here. We need to repent. We, to use John's words in Revelation, most of us have lost our first love. We have become like the church of Revelation that is lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, just somewhere in the middle. And repentance is necessary. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. We're going to sing our invitation. And Israel was convinced that everyone around them were pagans. They were convinced that everybody around them needed change. When the truth was, God says the real issue is right here at home. Would you join me this morning? Join me at this altar, near where you are. Sit in your seat. If you're joining us online, would you join me in praying? Lord, turn us around. Turn us. Change us. Draw us back to you. Restore our first love. Bring us back to you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for allowing me the opportunity this morning to, to speak. And God, we know that this was not something that um, we, we, we know, we feel, we sense the opposition of Satan. From the moment we began this morning, from machine guns and our sound system, the microphone's not working. The computer's hanging up. It seemed like everything we've tried this morning, Satan has come against. 
Because the last thing he wants to see is your people on their face. Your people repenting. Your people turning, returning, coming back to God. So Lord, we pray this morning that you'll draw us back to you. God, for the believer in this room, the believer online that has drifted away from you, that is going down the wrong road, that is, would, would answer that question, that there was a time when they were closer. God, we pray that today would be a day of repentance. God, if there's one in this building, one online that doesn't know you as Savior, that today would be the day that they would turn. They would turn from their wicked ways and they would come to know Jesus Christ personally. God, we know that what our church needs, what the, what the church of Jesus Christ needs today is not a new program. It's not a better choir. It's not better preaching. But it's repentance. It's your people turning, turning from their wicked ways and coming to you. And God, we pray that that would begin here in this room today. For it's in Jesus' lovely name I pray.